here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. How we doing, folks? It is Sean Zock, joined as always by Dylan DeChair. This is the Drop Zone, hopefully your favorite golf podcast, maybe your favorite podcast in general. Dylan, we had we had a big week of golf. Uh, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to their brackets this time of year. Not a lot of people paying attention to their golf brackets, but you and I certainly were. It was the match play down in Texas, and we we're going to talk about Scotty Scheffler. You want to talk about Keegan Bradley. We're going to talk about Martin Trainer, um, but also, you know, Kevin Kisner and, and yeah. the whole lot of people that played this weekend. Sure. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Who aren't we going to talk about? Um, Sean, I mean, we've got a new world number one. I'm glad you mentioned the bracket thing because I feel like golf tried to make that happen for a little while and oh, then yeah. quickly realized like... <laughs> this it's just work. a crapshoot out there. <laughs> it, it, it's just not, there's no number one seed guaranteed wins or anything like that. Everyone had to tear up their brackets by like midway through the first round. Um, but Sean, before we get to everything we're going to get to, I want to tell you about a couple of our friends. Our first friends are the folks at Radmore Golf. I mean, it's another discount bonanza on today's show. This is a Seattle based apparel startup, Sean. We're both wearing. Right now, hoodies and cool different hats from our friends at Radmore Golf. Uh, an incredibly sustainable, incredibly stylish golf startup. Uh, they are in Seattle. They're just down the street from me. They're making some of the comfiest, best performing shirts, pants, sweatshirts, hats, you name it. We're wearing them right now. We're going to be wearing them for the rest of the year. And uh, we're basically giving them away to you with the following discount code. If you guys go to radmoregolf.com that's r a d m o r golf.com and use the code dropzone you're going to get 25% off your order. Sean, what are you wearing right now? Uh I'm wearing something I think from last fall's collection. It's it's a great uh green hoodie. Uh it is yeah. extremely comfortable. I just want to when you talk about Radmore, I want to give a shout out to Stephen Upton, who's a friend of the show who went out mm -hmm. and bought some of the Radmore gear, texted us, "Hey, I used the I used the drop zone code. I got my discount, and I'm gonna. You know how those there used to be those challenge videos where you know, you would take a video of yourself doing something, and then you'd challenge three other people to do the same thing, sure. and then they would create a challenge. So I'm gonna take the the impetus from Stephen and say I'm challenging another big friend of the show, Brendan Delandro. Brendan, wow. you go. You you need to go and buy some Radmore gear too. <laughs> Just guilting people <laughs> into it. I like that, Brendan. You can use your your discount code. That's the good news. Um, all right, Sean. We've got some other friends involved in today's show, and I want to tell you a little bit about my new Rockform G Rock speaker. Uh, it's the best golf cart speaker that's ever been made. The magnets on this thing, Sean, are intense. It's not going to fall off your cart because it is going to be absolutely locked in. I think one of the underrated things about the G-Rock speaker, it doesn't take up a cup holder. You need that sometimes for beverages, golf balls, who knows what. This thing, it's just going to magnet to the side of your cart. It's incredible sound. It's waterproof. If you do drop it, which I know you mentioned you dropped yours last week, 
-hmm. no big deal. Drop resistant design plus 24 hour battery life. I mean, my only worry is that they're not going to be able to improve on this thing, Sean, and we've got a discount code for you. If you go to rockform.com, that's R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com, and you use the code DZ20, that's DZ20, you get 20% off these speakers. Sean, we could just be like a coupon podcast at this point. We're giving away all the goods. (laughs) I know. And just wait, there's more in the middle of the show. (laughs) But for now, Um, we can finally talk about Scotty Scheffler. Sean, I've got a question for you. Is Scotty Scheffler, does he feel like the number one golfer in the world? Yes. Yes. All right. He does. I. That's a good not- thing because he is the number one golfer in the world. As of Sunday night when they officially update the, the rankings, Scotty will be in that number one position. He'd never been number four in the world, never number three, never number two, but he's jumping from five to one. Pretty incredible after winning the match play this weekend. Yeah, anyone who's surprised by this just, I guess it doesn't qualify as a big time tour fan or someone who should be paying attention regularly. Like, have have we not been paying attention? I know he made it look easy. He He's won three times in his last five starts. Um, what's crazy to me, and I, I tweeted this out, Dylan, is he woke up Shout on, out Sean on, Zock Super, on Twitter Super Bowl Sunday. Chiefs, no, not Chiefs, uh, Bengals versus Rams. And he woke up that day in Phoenix with zero tour wins. That was last month. <laughs> like, that mm-hmm. was not long ago. And now he has three. Um, they're three very different wins. You know? They're good wins. They're all good wins. WGC, yeah. the Arnold Palmer Invitational. The madness that happens at TPC Scottsdale. Um, it's, it's, this is a good example of, I guess, some like, what if Patrick Cantley had made a putt coming down the stretch at TPC Scottsdale, wins the Phoenix Open? Scotty doesn't get his breakthrough win. We're definitely not, I don't think he wins today, or I don't know if he necessarily wins at the Arnold Palmer yeah. invitation. Maybe he wins, maybe he wins another tournament. This is one of those things where you like you crack through, you break through, and then suddenly, like for some people, it just continues to happen. It makes it easier. Yeah, it's funny. It's easy to kind of be theoretical and uh, whatever, historical and removed about all this stuff. But then you see Scotty, he's dominating Kevin Kisner in the final, and you you see him hold that winning tap in. I guess he didn't even hold it out. He just picked up his his ball. Um and then you see the emotion come out. You know, he's hugging his wife, Meredith. He's got his whole family there. I mean, he's a Texas guy. He went to went to UT Austin. Tears. There he is. Lots of tears. In his college town, there's a lot of tears. I mean, he lost it. He totally lost it. I think I think for Scotty, he wasn't necessarily surprised that he got to world number one. Obviously, he knew that that was coming. But the gravity of the moment uh, really seemed to hit him in that in that moment. I mean, it was so cool. So he, he wins four and three. Uh, he beats Dustin Johnson this morning, three and one. I mean, he's just, he ran through the European Ryder cup team in his group, ran through a bunch of Brits. Um, and then, yeah, he took out Seamus power, excuse me, Billy Horschel, Seamus power, Dustin Johnson and Kevin Kisner. So kind of a murderer's row of like match play pains in the ass. 
I think the reason why for some people this will feel a little weird that he has ascended to number one so quickly is in part because there's been no resistance. Like, yes, of course, you win three times and uh, you're going you're gonna to run up from number 10 or 12 or 9 in the world to, to number one pretty darn quickly. But there's been no resistance from the rest of the top 10. A lot of times mm. in the run-up to the Masters, you get a couple of those guys in the top 10 to win. Um, the only person that was really doing it is Cameron Smith. Like, Justin Thomas hasn't won this year. Jordan Spieth hasn't won this year. Rory McIlroy, I don't think he's really, really contended this year. John Rahm had a little bit of contention, but now he's been dealing with a weird putter situation. Dustin Johnson kind of working through his entire game. I'm going to keep rattling these off. Morikawa has gone I mean, a little, a little yeah. bit silent besides his contention at Riviera. Patrick Cantlay, you and I talked about him earlier this year, finishing in second a lot more than finishing in first. Bryson barely even playing like all of those guys collectively just kind of not winning or not contending a lot just like opens up the alleyway and Scotty sprinted through it. Totally. I mean, I think that Scotty being number one kind of speaks to a larger trend, which is that the top six guys in the world right now, Sean, they're not the big names. They're not golf's uh, household names. John Rahm, finished number nine in the player impact program last year. The other five guys that are going to be in this top six list, not on it. You know, you've got, <laughs> you've got uh, yeah, Morikawa, Hovland, Cantlay, Scheffler, Rom, and Cameron Smith. And those, the fact that those are the top six golfers, like it's almost like we missed the changing of the guard as it was happening. Like we, we are still thinking, yes, there's Rory, there's DJ, there's, Xander, there's JT, there's Bryson. Like these are the dominant players in the game. And meanwhile, you got Scotty Scheffler out here sneaking three wins in two months under our noses. Yeah. Well, what's what's what I always find to be funny is how guys respond in the next month after their breakthrough win. Um, I think like Xander has won a couple times, but he like never doubled down and like won again soon. It's always interesting to see how people do if there's a little bit of a plateau or if they take a step back. I think they take a step back more often than they do what Scotty has done. Um, but now that he has doubled down and tripled down, the only thing left, I know it's gone quickly, the only thing left is to to win a major championship, right? Like that's the that becomes the next step, even though two months ago we were like, Where's the first step? <laughs> like that's yeah, that's yeah. that's where we're moving here. And what what is tricky like we even talked to Bryson about this remember last year or in the last like 18 to 24 months Bryson wins um in the summer of 2020 he wins the US Open in the fall of 2020 he moves on and wins like the Arnold Palmer event he contends at the players he moves into both the 2020 Fall Masters and the 2021 Spring Masters as the prohibitive favorite in both of those events and he told us that he was not ready to be pronounced the favorite, to have all the hoopla, to have press conferences at every single event you play at. Scotty hasn't hit that yet because of how quick it's happened. It's been win, 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 essentially, in the last five or six weeks. And so what I'm getting to is that it's going to hit Scotty somewhat soon. <laughs> like, there's only so many times that you can 
cry with your wife behind the 18th green and like tell the broadcast like no like i need a little bit of space we're gonna ask scotty scheffler for a lot more stuff he's gonna be doing pressers left and right you know he added TaylorMade as his equipment company just in the past month like mm-hmm. life does come at you fast when you become number one and one of those things is hey are you going to win a major now? Whether that's fair or not, <laughs> that is, that's the discussion that happens. Totally. I mean, that's absolutely right. And then I think if you look at the list of guys that have been world number one, I think Scotty's the 25th ever since they started the rankings in, I think, the late 60s. Um, maybe the early 80s. One <laughs> or the it's other. the early 80s. Hey, let's go. One of those other decades. Uh, Scotty's the sixth youngest guy. And then, you know, there's really just the question of whether he becomes a guy that hangs onto it for a very long time or whether we're in some sort of in-between zone. Uh, you know, JT, for instance, has held the number one ranking two different times for a total of five weeks. So he has not exactly <laughs> spent a lot of time uh, in that number one. Yeah, he might spot. be the but best guess- golfer of his generation. Like, that's completely plausible. Before we get to any more of this kind of big picture thinking, was there anything specific that you appreciated about watching Scotty this week? Any specific shots he hit or like, you know, like his vibe out there? A, li- a little bit back to my like earlier point of like, how will he handle it? I think part of the reason why he was able to turn one win into two wins into three wins is his incredibly like laid back nature. And mm-hmm whenever like any step in this like process to get where he has been, like he's really done it at his own pace. (laughs) Um, You know, he stayed in in college for a lot longer than a lot of people do. And some people like give Colin Morikawa credit for that. And I don't really hear us extending the same type of, Oh, he went and got his degree from Texas thoughts when it comes to Scotty. So I don't know. It's probably just like more proof that if you're uber talented, like it doesn't have to, doesn't have to happen in the way it happened for Jordan Spieth. Um, you know, he came up through the corn fairy tour, right? Like there's, there's other pathways here. Um, but his laid back nature, I think is what allows him to be like, Oh yeah. You know, whether or not I win, I'm still the same person tomorrow. I mean, you saw, uh, as the cameras dove in, as he's given hugs to his family and friends, his dad says like in his ear, <laughs> Right after he's won yeah. for the third time on the PGA Tour. What a dad moment this was, by the way. All-time golf dad moment. He's like, I appreciate who you are first, way, way, way more than you like than your golf or something like that. Yeah, variety. yeah. More proud of you for the person that you are than than the golfer that you are, essentially. Which is great, but also <laughs> just a weird thing to do, like on the 18th green. I think oh that's, my god, it was great. It's more like a hand on your shoulder at the barbecue kind of. Con- discussion but we won't, we won't <laughs> that's have why i was peak dad no that was fantastic the other thing was uh scheffler dropping in earnest uh i never got this far in my dreams in the post round interview which he somehow pulled off without it uh sounding over the top corny uh, i mean it was an awesome moment it was like it was really genuine it was very clearly i mean i i know scheffler doesn't necessarily love media obligations it seems like he kind of you know, he gets through them. He's very polite to everyone, but uh, it doesn't seem like necessarily his favorite thing. We'll see how that changes as he's asked to do more and more over the years. But but the fact that Scheffler is the one to get to number one first. I mean, Sean, this guy is only, I think, four or five months 
older than Colin Morikawa. But, you know, based on the discussion that we've had about these guys, it was like Morikawa, Hovland, Matthew Wolf were the three guys, uh, which always was going to leave someone out. Turns out one of those people, Scotty Scheffler, because he's he was around, you know, a little bit longer and because he looks just much older, uh, kind of flew under the radar. And I think, honestly, because he's got a little bit of a funky swing. I mean, his move... Never, I, I I can't believe that the number one golfer in the world looks like he's <laughs> dodging gunfire at impact. He's like, it's like he's he looks like he's could slip out at any moment, or like I'm, he's gonna uh, reel in a big fish. You know how right like afterwards the the baseball player Andrew Jones would just like swing out of his stance so much and like occasionally yes. occasionally Andrew fall to his fall to his knees in the batter's box. I'm ready for Scotty to do that one of these days, just to wipe out there on the tee box because he slides out too much. Uh, but that's just part of his swing. Do you think that what you saw from Kevin Kisner this week makes you want him on the Ryder Cup team in 18 months? Ooh, yes. Honestly, wow. yes. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to wow. say that. I'm not making a blanket statement like, yes, definitely based off this performance alone, he needs to be on that team. But there's a mounting body of evidence that on a certain type of golf course, Kevin Kisner is just going to be a pain in the ass. I mean, he maybe is, a European golf course too. firm. Yes, exactly. Some hazards. I thought at first you were going to say, do you want him at Quail Hollow uh, <laughs> this fall? To which I would say. I'm not sure that is the fit for him. It's but more he did, of a big ballpark. Contend <laughs> he contended to win he, the PGA there. He contended there like one time. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe with the right setup, maybe with a you know firm, fast, difficult vibe there. But uh, he's missed a bunch of cuts at the Wells Fargo, so kind <laughs> of a mixed bag. Um, yes, this was a, a huge week for Kevin Kisner. My God, I mean, the way he held off Corey Connors. This morning with a couple of dagger putts. Um, he's the type of guy that the Europeans always seem to have. He's the type of he's exactly who we missed uh, when we were at in France. Yes. I, I don't even know why I say we. I kind of like it when the Europeans win the Ryder Cup. But he's exactly who the American fans missed at uh, Le Golf Nationale. So, yeah, I mean, with this kind of mystery Italian golf course that we're headed to next year. I, I think you'd be happy to have Kisner on the team. He went six and one this week. His only loss to the number one player in the world and uh, the hottest player in the world. And I just know that his mounting body of evidence, as you say, is going to be so hard to ignore in 18 months or 16 months when those decisions are made. It's going to be impossible to ignore. Um, wow. It will impossible, be, you say. I think it will be impossible to ignore. You know, okay, maybe the guy misses 10 straight cuts and then uh, Zach Johnson can't bring him over to Italy. But, like, that's that's the kind of golf that, like, Zach Johnson likes, right? <laughs> like, Kevin Kisner yeah. plays that type of golf. Um, and as you said, like, that might, that might play well in a non-gigantic golf course over in Europe. I just know that it shouldn't really change things. I don't think like it, it really shouldn't. He played this week. Like he's always played in this event. Like he's always played mm -hmm. at this golf course. The fact that he did it again 
doesn't necessarily mean anything for 16 to 18 months from now, but we will use it because right. it's there and it's easy. And people who really yeah. like Kisner, I think it's important to use dude. it. Well, yeah. And that is a part of it is, you know, he's got this cult of personality. He's got, you know, the, the old, the rigs machine behind him. He's like yes. Barstool's adopted son. I mean, I think that that is a, a relevant part of it. And I think one thing that we forget, Sean Martin was pointing this out, the PGA tour. Um, we have to separate the fact that this golf course sets up really, really well for Kevin Kisner uh, from just the fact that he's a great match play specialist. Yeah. You know, I think that he can be a great match play player and also gain a great advantage from the way that Austin sets up in a similar way to the Palmetto golf club where he plays at home. Uh, you know, and we've played some golf down there, Sean, like this is, Austin kind of reminded me of just a, a giant Aiken uh, mm. where we've played near Augusta. So, yeah, I mean, there's some quirk to it, the way it's firm and fast, the way you need a wicked short game, uh, the way it doesn't necessarily reward distance to the same extent that other courses do. All that plays into Kisner's hands. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, a good, good, good week for Kisner, who is not winning but making a lot of money this year. What else do you need to discuss from the match play? Um, people really don't like Keegan Bradley, man. Do you think that you <laughs> notice that because you're you and you are his biggest supporter in golf media? I think that there's always moments when players get kind of like brought into the spotlight and you kind of get a sense of like, wow, that, that little thing has really been annoying people for a while. You had that with Patrick Cantlay a few years ago when he was contending at the players before anyone really knew who he was and he was just taking forever before hitting the shot. Uh, you had it with Adam Scott when he was contending at the 2018 PGA playing with Tiger. And I just remember there were so many people just being like, man, I hate his stupid long putter. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like these, I mean, look, these guys are all, if you're a fan sitting at home, the differences between these guys are are largely little things like that, right? Yep. So, but man, I did not realize just how far Keegan Bradley, who I'm a big fan of for the record. I don't want this getting twisted. Um, I think he's a great guy. I love his passion. I, I just really like the way he approaches the game. But the fact that he's kind of twitchy and that he takes a while uh just led to this online firestorm when there's a video of him using aim point over a, what was it? Eight foot putt that he eventually lipped out, which <laughs> looks pretty stupid to, to be fair, but he didn't actually take that insane amount of time. It's not like a, you know, some of these two minute putting videos that we've seen from other golfers. I, uh, I took a, a little bit of a cheap a shot look, at but. both Keegan and yourself on Twitter. You posted this, you know, a screenshot of an incredible, incredible shot that Keegan hit through the trees. It rolls out to three incredible. feet. Incredible. And we're on that later. And I replied <laughs> to you, did he make the putt? And you know what? A lot of people liked that tweet. <laughs> a lot of people were like, <laughs> that's right. He's not a good putter. Uh, the tricky thing is that a lot of guys on the PGA tour are maniacs. And they know that if they don't go through 
the system that they go through to make putts, to hit shots, if they get thrown off by the tiniest thing, they're just going to be cussing themselves out at dinner at nighttime. Like Keegan needs to do that for his game and no one's holding him back from doing it. So, you know, it can, it can be maddening, but you got to get over it. It's not getting enforced. Yeah. I, there was a, definitely a pretty special moment in, in the online golf world this weekend where you had aim point, the putting method going at page Sporanic and Hell yeah. It just was a pretty special back and forth. Um, so yeah, and then I did want to shine a little spotlight on that shot that Keegan hit uh, to tie his match against Justin Rose, uh, where he was absolutely in jail in the 18th hole, down one, and just hit the most ridiculous shot uh, through the trees, under the tree, cutting. It's It's like straight into the pantheon of absolutely useless random match play golf shots. John Wood, who's literally caddied for uh I think f- three different guys in four different finals of this thing plus Ryder Cups, Presidents Cups, said it was the best match play shot he's ever seen. <laughs> um and now it's just going to be sort of a random trivia question somewhere down the line. Uh yeah. Speaking of of little Twitter dust-ups, Yes, I'm glad you brought this up. I'm hopeful that you're going to bring up what you're going to bring up. Do you think Lee Westwood listens to the drop zone? I hope so. I mean, it seems like maybe if we if we tag him in it, then it seems like he's <laughs> my man's my man's got his ear to the ground right now when it comes to people talking about British golfers. Sp- uh, spending can a lot you tell of the people what's been going on on Twitter with Lee? <sighs> So about a week ago, a I would consider him a friend, <laughs> writer from Golf Digest, tweeted out a, a tiny little joke about Lee Westwood and Jason Kokrak. Didn't tag either of them. Lee Westwood found it and decided to clap back. And you know what? I think all is fair at that point. Lee, you can mm-hmm. you can clap back if someone's making jokes about you. Um, for sure. Yeah. It was a joke about the Saudi league kind of implying that Lee was going to jump ship and no one was going <laughs> to you know care what? to watch it them. might be correct. <laughs> so <laughs> it hit a little close to home, I think. Yes. Struck a nerve. And so Lee claps back and our friend Joel, who is the writer also kind of clapped back and eventually blocked him. And then, you know, what, what could have just ended there has continued into Lee Westwood continually tweeting and tagging Joel, tagging Golf Digest, and really, frankly, he's just he's mocking the work that Joel does, and um, he he spent some time mocking other media members this week, and it's more than one tweet, it's more than two tweets, it's more than three, it's more than five, <laughs> it's it's out of hand and it's borderline online bullying. And should it should never get here for uh, a 48 year old man who has made millions of dollars. Not that that's totally relevant, but just should not be caring about yeah. this, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And he's I think he's in his right to defend himself, but it's just what you know. Why do we got to do it? It's on the a, I think app? it's a weird look. Like he's entitled to to do it for sure, but it's definitely a weird look. It's a good reminder for for people like you and me, Sean, like 
if we're thinking about getting in the in the Twitter ring with uh, with professional athletes, it's not going to go well. Uh, people feel not fondly about the media. I would mm-hmm. say in general, there's there's not a lot of uh, trust there. I guess I heard just a lot, or I read a lot of accusations about Joel. I mean, it's it's just like kind of weird stuff, man. It's like. I don't know. There's a lot of mud being slung at the phrase senior writer. Like who, who could believe that golf digest would employ a senior writer who would like make a joke about (laughs) Dustin Johnson and Richard Bland on Twitter. I mean, it's weird. It's the whole situation is bizarre. Uh, definitely just a reminder that when it's professional athlete versus member of the media, it is going to just be a gang pile on the media member. And, uh, so yeah. that's just not a good internet fight to pick. We um, know that. We know Sean, that really I think, well. I think we've experienced this, each of us in our own ways, uh, from some transgressions over the years. But never, never get involved. I guess never tweet, and uh, you'll be fine. I've got one question for you. I don't really like that I'm asking yeah. it, but a lot of people are asking it right now. Is your boy playing the Masters? Tiger Woods. Your boy, Keegan Bradley, <laughs> Tiger. Um, you know, I think he's. I think he wants to. It seems like you think. I I will say, Sean, the people that I usually get in touch with about what Tiger's up to have gone suspiciously quiet, and mm. uh, I think that I think if he wasn't going to play, and they knew he wasn't going to play we would have some sense of that by now. That's a good uh, point. We don't have that sense. We're only a week out from when he would be chipping around Augusta National. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sean, seven, we're only a week days. out from us being... <laughs> we're only a week out from us chipping around, you know, Augusta, Georgia. Probably not yeah. going to get any practice in at the National itself. But um, I, I think that there's... I think that there's a real distinct possibility that we're going to see Tiger there. It's funny. I, I, speaking of getting just roasted on Twitter, I put out a tweet of, I don't know, a few weeks ago that was like, the next time we see Bryson, Phil, and Tiger might be at the Masters. And I got shredded because everyone was like, you're a moron. There's no chance Tiger's going to play the Masters. Turns out I was wrong. We've now seen Bryson. We're not going to see Phil. Um, but, maybe the part that seemed like the biggest long shot at the time, the tiger part could actually be the case. Yeah. So I I, hope so, man, there would be no expectations, right? Like it would be in some ways the perfect spot for him. (laughs) There's always expectations. There's always expectations. And you know what? I, we, we've talked about this most recent comeback, if that's what you want to call it. And we've always said, he is going to he's he has set expectations as low as possible right when he first comes back uh in december and he does his interview with golf digest and he's just like no i'm i'm not i'm not going to be normal ever again i'm not climbing mount everest ever again um you know walking around medalist with your caddy in tow feels like you're starting to climb mount everest a little bit um and if if somehow tiger does play at the masters and tease off in like 11 days at Augusta national, then mm-hmm. there will be expectations set because he'll have done a press conference and he'll say, I would not come out here unless I was confident enough that I could contend. So 
I think what he is doing right now, you know, there's a, some of the same type of Sasquatch footage of long range videos of Tiger taken with a phone playing at Medalist this weekend. Um, I think what he's doing is he's he's proving to himself that he's not ready for it. Like, like Tiger needs mm. to tell himself, okay, you know, I tried three weekend days in a row at Medalist and it didn't work out. Because to this point, like he's... He's never like he, I don't know. He has to prove that he can't do it. He doesn't want to like go through the masters and be like, wait, maybe like, could I have, he doesn't, he doesn't want to see like the weather be a little like chilly and for Augusta to be firm and like six under to win it and be like, Oh, Cameron Smith won his masters by playing Mm -hmm. a tough mat. And like tiger's like, wait, maybe I could have done it. I think he's proving to himself that he, he can't. Um, I personally am not ready for that. I know I don't matter here, but I am not ready to to have his return take the Masters and just <laughs> completely change how our next week is going to be. Yeah, it would completely change it. It's funny, Sean. You could you could get Tiger Woods according to MGM. It's going off at sixty six to one right now, which feels like not good value, <laughs> but it's probably still the highest number you're ever going to get Tiger Woods at if he is indeed playing next week. Um, no, it would totally hijack every storyline that we think we have going into Augusta, which maybe would be welcome because right now, what do we got? I mean, we got Scotty Scheffler world. Number one, we got Cameron Smith is going to be among the favorites. We've got, we have a handful of guys that feel like they are going to be the favorites, but apart from Scheffler and Cam Smith, none of them are really in top form. So I don't know. All right. 50, 50. Like which side, oh. if you had to, if you had to say right now, is Tiger playing or he's not playing? No, 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 no. Not playing. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> you heard it here first. That was Tiger time. Sean, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Global Golf because the people at Global Golf have one letter on their mind right now. And that letter is you. Global Golf's services. You try, you trade in, you select. They're all about you getting the right clubs for yourself. You try is all about getting brand new gear for two weeks. And if you love it, you keep it. If you don't love it, you send it back. You trade in allows you to trade in your previously owned gear for credit towards the best and brightest and newest. We love that. And then finally, you select is all about personalized recommendations from golf pros to help you select the best gear for your game. So you try, you trade in, you select. It's all about you at global golf check it out at globalgolf.com dylan you nailed that ad read i have one more read that we have to discuss and that is the golf clubhouse event that's happening at augusta if people if you like the drop zone if you like listening to dylan and i and you're going to be in augusta maybe we'll just be the only reason you go besides the masters but tuesday night drop zone after dark it is part of our clubhouse experience We've got Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz hosting their podcast Tuesday evening. Dylan and I host our own podcast Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, uh, Jonathan Wall, he's our fully equipped equipment guru. He's going to be hosting a show and Claude Harmon will also be there. Like It's basically like a bunch of in-person podcasts happening and you can buy tickets. You can show up and enjoy the beer with us. It's sponsored by Doers and TaylorMade and it's happening in downtown Augusta. Savannah River Brewing Company. I'm really hyped to do that. Makes us look cool. 
It makes Sean, sense. this is our first live drop zone. Yeah. Is it not? It's our first live drop zone. Come uh, one, come all come to by. the great drop zone. Sean will sign your baby. People, um, you need to find the it's information. It's going to be really fun. Though. Find the information at golf.com slash clubhouse. Simple as that. Come find us. Golf.com slash clubhouse. Sean, I may even have a doers with a lucky fan. Sean, can we get to just a couple quick segments that I'd like to introduce Yes, as regular entries on this show? Uh, the first one, talking trainer. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Exactly. Um, Sean, what a week for our, our longtime associate, former employer, former drop zone guest, Martin Trainer, who some people have accused of being the worst player on the PGA Tour, but... Al contraire, not this year, not this week. Uh, he teed it up in the opposite field event this week, which was won, I believe, by Chad Ramey, the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. Uh, and he finished T7, Sean. We were texting. We were kind of tracking him uh, throughout the week. And it's funny, these little moments late in rounds that you're not even aware of uh, that that make a big difference between being at the edge of the top 20 and then being well into the top 10. Martin made an eagle on what was it? The 14th hole on the back nine today finished T seven. What do you think? Well, this is a good example of uh, an adage that tour players will talk about where I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like you make like 90% of your money and 10% of your performances or something like that. Mm. Right. And um, I think, I think we like, we often watch um, players that are struggling and we end up like, we think that we think that the sweat is them making or missing the cut. Like when they're near the cut line, like, Oh gosh, he must be really, really sweating this out. The real sweat, the real nerves are when I was texting you today and I was just like, look, he, he has to play these final seven holes in yeah. two under or better like that. That's how he gets a, a bunch of FedEx Cup points. That's how he gets into the top 10. And and that's how he tries to continue fighting for his card. Because like making the cut and finishing T50 or T40, honestly, making a cut at this event and finishing T20 doesn't do that much for you. But that eagle that he made was gigantic. He he said that it was a yanked, not maybe maybe pulled, not yanked, two iron that ended up rolling out to six feet. He makes the eagle that could be the most important shot that he that he plays all year if he eventually finishes in the top 125 in the FedEx Cup. That stuff yeah. happens for him and it happens for like frankly like about 100 players on tour who really are sweating to get to that number. Um so don't forget that. <laughs> like these people are Yeah, grinding. no, I think that that's a that's a really good point. It's it's not necessarily whether you're going to make the cut and finish, you know, T54. It's like when you're on, how much are you going to rake in? Yeah. How how big is your cash out going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we should try to keep trainer time generally under a couple minutes. So uh, I want to get to one more thing, Sean. This segment's called Conspiracy Theories. Mm, I, bet Sean, I bet you our producer could also dial up some kind of UFO type ooh. audio. Sean, I'm wondering this week, did Phil Mickelson lay the groundwork for skipping the Rocket Mortgage Classic an entire year in advance. <laughs> now, let me take you back to last summer, last July, 
when Phil announced that he would not be returning to the Rocket Mortgage because there was an article in the Detroit News. The whole situation was a little bit weird now at the time, Sean. It didn't really, it just didn't really add up. And we attributed it to Phil's strangeness and the fact that sometimes he can have some some rabbit ears. It also led to one of my favorite things of all time, which was Phil replying to a bunch of tweets and then saying, I haven't tweeted anything yet. I've only responded to others' tweets, which I think about a lot. Um, but Phil was upset. He said he was not returning to the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And now we know that one of Live Golf's events is going to run opposite the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Sean, Live Golf seems like, you know, it's like when you get a backup cornerback in and the quarterback is just pointing at his receiver. He's like, I'm coming to you. We're targeting that guy. Every time we're going at that guy. That's where, that's how they circled Rocket Mortgage on the calendar. They were like, we think this is potentially a soft spot. We're having an event that week. It's going to go directly up against it. My curiosity, Sean, is whether Phil knew that at the time, whether he was already looking for a way to say, look, I'm not going to be back. You're looking a little skeptical on the other side of this video chat right now. I'm not sure how well episode one of Conspiracy Theories is going. Do you think there's anything to this? There's absolutely zero to this. <laughs> See, if you'd said there was something to it, it wouldn't be a good conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um, I mean, this happened in June, early, no, early July. Early July. Of, yeah, of late June, early July, right around Look, that. I think it, that, I mean, it was I like think a week-long plausible scandal. that Live Golf had dates in mind, probably not specific dates, but just like, you know, a rough launch date, um, that that stuff's kind of gotten pushed and pulled here and there though a lot. Um, so no, I don't I don't think that Phil had this in mind a long time ago. But I appreciate you drawing the connection, and maybe someday we'll see this in a YouTube misinformation video or something like that. Perfect. Um, all right, Sean. I mean that. That's pretty much all I've got for this week. There, there's more to discuss. There's, uh, we may even get a special bonus episode of the Drop Zone later this week with a potential special guest. But I don't want to jinx anything in case it doesn't happen. The first women's major of the week of the year, excuse me, this week. Sean, and yeah, I mean, there's more to come on golf.com, but I did spend a couple days uh, at Aviara last week chatting up with some LPGA players. So keep an eye out for all of our uh, Chevron related content coming out this week. Um, Sean, to paraphrase from Scott Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler's dad, I'm, I'm more proud of you than just your podcasting. I think you're a wonderful young man and, uh, and other wonderful young men and women should check out radmoregolf.com. Use the code drop zone for 25% off. Hey, I'll, I'll wrap up the podcast by saying I never got this far in my dreams. Oh man. Well done. Good job this week. Uh, and folks, we'll see you later this week or at the very least next week.